0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today
2: with Byte. This episode of Gen C is sponsored by Chainalysis.
0: Gen C is the generation of the new internet. In Gen C, the C stands for crypto, but it also stands for creators the connected consumer and collectibles, both digital and physical with on-chain provenance. It stands for culture and characters, the ones we play in games and the companion ones that AI is building alongside us. It stands for community and digital citizenship and the new set of transparent and trustless tools being built to govern them. These are the people who were raised on a different philosophy on how they look at money, how they look at identity, how they look at privacy, and how they look at the hybrid, digital, and physical spaces being built all around us. And finally, how they reimagine their relationships with the communities and companies they interact with. We focus on how brands, large and small, are building for these audiences. Welcome to Gen C. Avery, we are back. Excited to see you. As always, I think you were in New York this past week. Didn't say hi to me. Not taking it too hard. But it's okay. Okay. You're a busy lady. Avery, there was a moment a couple of years ago where it felt like everyone was coming out. I think they were calling it life casting. And people were coming out with these devices that you would like clip onto your shirt or they would dangle from your phone or whatever. And they were like taking a photo every minute and uploading it to the cloud. There's a bunch of security and privacy issues. But hardware had a moment of like always on. And then it kind of went away. And I was reading an article from our mutual friend, Holland, who's over at Kindred Ventures, on the fact that wearable tech is back and it's back big. So there's now these pendants, jewelry you can wear, there's stuff that can be on your wrists. And it's all about recording audio, video, and image. And then having this sort of documentation of your life that you can then do sort of analysis, interesting things, share it with your communities. And I guess I'm interested, Avery, in your thoughts of are we coming back to a new hardware renaissance? Or do you think this is yet another round of something that may end up going away in the long run?
2: I'm so glad that you asked. Um, In this box is a pair of Rayman Meta glasses from the Reality Labs team at Meta. They actually just hooked me up with these, which is amazing. Shout out, to hard, her team. And they actually look pretty good. Like if you are just a normie, like I think these totally work.
0: They'll your face very well.
2: They really do. It was like they were made for me, but they're made for everyone because everybody looks great in Wayfarers. It's really timely that you bring this up because I think we are entering another era, another pass at our, can we make wearables a thing? And the wearable of the Apple Watch is a thing, though I just read that those are declining actually. But there is a dedicated fan base who uses those religiously. My husband being one of them. He does not go anywhere without that thing. He loves it. And I think I've shared with you before, Sam, like I was at Google when Google Glass rolled out and I remember that whole campaign and initiative and Raven and Meta are at it again. We had the snap spectacles back in the day.
0: I had those, yeah.
2: Yep, I did too. The next iteration of these glasses, and I think these are one, normal looking, two, useful. And three, they sort of fit within your daily like life in a fun way. I think it's still for the early adopters. We are not seeing normal people really embracing this quite yet, but the early tech adopter crowd is back in it. And I'm excited where it's going. Theater has done some work on this initiative and we're really excited about getting these into the hands of more consumers this holiday season.
0: Yeah, I'm super fascinated. I think that when like Snap or Ray-Ban or even when Google was doing it, we didn't have as sophisticated a both creator culture, but also like a data aware culture. I think we're getting towards a place where It's not that these things are going to currently do what I would love, which is like all the contextual locative data that you want to see of the world around you, the kind of digital twinning, which is an area that I think is going to be giant at some point. We just don't know how long it's going to be. But I think of someone like Keith Lee, big TikToker who goes around and reviews food and like wearing some Ray-Ban spectacles where he can sort of live cast an interaction is like a perfect way to do it.
2: Exactly. And they're actually designed for living in the moment. I believe that is the campaign slogan and sort of description. But it makes so much sense because whether you are like opening Christmas presents with your kids or you're at a concert and you're live streaming it, like all of that, you can live sort of hands free with these glasses on, which is great. I'm sure you've been to a million concerts where everybody's just like holding up your phone and actually living in that moment while still being able to capture it because we know that matters. Do it for the gram. I think it's actually solving something that. Is there like a real opportunity for people to experience and be able to sort of capture at the same time? So I'm excited about this. I'm always bullish on these type of things. I'm hoping this is the moment when this starts to really take off. And I do think live streaming is a big deal, not for me as a you know consumer attending, but more for creators because the creator economy is the economy these days. And if creators can capture their experience in an easy way, then they bring their communities along for that journey. And that starts to become really interesting because empowering the creators and shapers of culture is how we get mainstream people sort of participating in this type of thing.
0: Yeah. I still think the thing we haven't figured out is the privacy and compliance layer. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that is my biggest worry, how much violation of personal privacy and space will happen on these, you know, and not to mention when you think of all the things going on in the world making it easier and easier to livecast may not be always the best thing.
2: Yes, I think that's a super fair point. My day-to-day life is not that interesting or exciting, but I could see this could be used for good and for not so good. And I think the other piece of it on top of privacy is also around the like AI integrations and exactly how those will be rolling out. I'm not personally familiar enough with it myself, but we'll be playing around and getting to know more and more of this because I believe that integration meta AI is like a core defining feature of the product.
0: Yeah. I've been in a lot of chats this week about the meta AI characters that rolled out. Yeah. Kind of Snoop Dogg, Tom Brady.
2: Seen plenty of inputs on that.
0: The sentiment in a group I was in last night was that hearing advice and companionship and conversation from someone who you have a kind of relationship with, even if it's just because you're a fan of Kylie Jenner, is better than getting it from a faceless AI. Yes. Right. So now to your point, you know. The creator economy, my favorite TikToker, also now is the AI companion that comes along with me when I go to restaurants, because restaurants are what we're going to be talking about in a few minutes with our guests. I think that there's something that's really fascinating about that and slightly dystopian, but we'll have to see how it rolls out. Indeed. In addition, Avery, this week I saw so much V friends everywhere. There was like a Crocs integration, there was like a coffee integration I saw. What's the like TLDR on the evolution of where VFriends is going? Because I've just been seeing a, like a big push happening.
2: Well, thank you for noticing. The VFriends team is killing it. I want to give, you know, Trouty and Andy and of course, Gary, a big shout out for a lot of the fun stuff that's happening. So Jolly Jacko, which is a VFriends character, joined forces with Gregory's Coffee. And in this sort of like Vayner history, Vayner lore, Gregory's Coffee is actually the like Vayner employee favorite coffee spot near our OG Park Avenue office. So Gary got to know their team quite well over the years and did a pumpkin spice latte kind of collaboration that was picked up by a bunch of local media and news. I think it was on TV in New York as well, which is always fun. And then Crocs is something that is very near and dear to my heart. Should definitely have Heidi and her team on as well because Crocs, they are the masters of the collab. And the biggest month for Crocs collabs is October because Croctober. This is something that was actually teased at VCon this year on stage with Gary and Heidi. And this pack of gibbets is rolling out and there will be a special surprise happening at the Halloween parade. So anybody who's in New York, if you go to the Halloween parade, you won't be able to miss it when we put it that way.
0: Is the surprise you and I riding on the float?
2: It might be. You have to stay tuned to find out.
0: Okay. Avery, we have an amazing guest today, Ben Leventhal. For anyone who doesn't know Ben, Ben started Eater. He then sold that. He started Resi. I think Gary was a partner of his in Resi. They sold that to American Express. He has now started a company called Blackbird, which just raised its Series A. It was led by A16Z. I think the seed was with uh, Union Square Ventures. Amex is also an investor now. If someone is going to figure out the intersection of like restaurants and culture and integrating blockchain because this thing is runs on blockchain rails, NFT's uh, fungible token, etc, it's going to be Ben. there's really no one more connected in the restaurant industry than him. So after the break, we are going to get to Ben to learn more about Blackbird, hear what he's thinking, and he'll tell us why cocktails are now $65 in New York City.:
2: I'm so curious about that.
0: <laughs> so after the break, we will talk with Ben.
2: Chainalysis is the premier blockchain data platform. Crypto businesses, financial institutions, and government agencies utilize Chainalysis data and services to answer their biggest questions about the blockchain. As regulators and policymakers work together to pass legislation that provides clarity for crypto businesses and protects consumers, they have the chance to do so with unparalleled data and research into the crypto ecosystem. Demystify cryptocurrency, and gain greater visibility and insight by visiting Chainalysis.com slash Gen All
0: right, we're here with Ben Leventhal. Ben is the founder and CEO of Blackbird, which we're going to learn a lot about. Ben also has started a number of companies that many of you will have heard of, which we'll also get into. But Ben, I would just love for you to give us kind of the 90-second recap of your career. I know it's been big so far, but uh, just tell the audience who you are.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I'm a guy who's been obsessed with restaurants and somehow that's become a career. You know, I've always sort of found restaurants to be sort of a happy place for me growing up. The moments that I remember largely took place in restaurants as an adult, you know, exploring the scene of food and chefs and restaurants has been something that's a lot of fun and I enjoy very much. And somehow it's become a career. You know, I would say the through line of sorts is just that I think restaurants are largely misunderstood and underappreciated in terms of what their potential can be and how we potentially could think about them as businesses much bigger and more interesting than just small businesses that sell food on a plate. And so whether that's Eater or Resi or now Blackbird, a lot of how we talk about restaurants and think about crafting a strategy around them is based on what we think is the outsized potential of these businesses.
2: So Ben, you mentioned that restaurants have always fascinated you and you've launched three different companies. You mentioned Eater, Resi, and now Blackbird. Can you explain sort of how that journey has progressed and what you've maybe seen shift in the restaurant industry since you've launched those companies?
1: For sure. I think more than anything else, the business over the 20 plus years that I've been watching has gotten harder. It's gotten a lot harder, materially so. Profit margins have shrunk considerably. And yet the interesting... Backdrop to that is that I think consumer enthusiasm for restaurants has only grown. And certainly when you look at the top line revenue growth of the industry over that period of time, you see that. It's almost a trillion dollars in size this year. And um, that's very exciting, but somehow margins have shrunk. The average restaurant has had more trouble than ever staying afloat. And, you know, that's what we probably have to start to really focus on and figure out. I just recently went to
0: Madrid and I was in Lisbon. When I asked friends, they don't tell me sites to go see anymore. They send me a list of the restaurants to eat at. And so it does feel like we've gotten to a place where restaurants are kind of the cultural markers of travel, of culture, of success, frankly. Why do you think the last sort of 20 years has led us to a point where food is such an essential part of what the culture of like a city or a town is?
1: Yeah, I think there's A couple of reasons for that, and I certainly agree that's where we are, that restaurants are the destination, wherever you go. One is, and I won't take credit for this, this is something that first, I think I heard from David Chang. I think he observed this early. One thing is that I think the speed of information exchange of sharing amongst chefs has increased exponentially thanks to social media and all kinds of other things. And I think that really the way that that has manifested itself is that the bar for the average restaurant around the world has gone up in a humongous way. And so really, I think a lot of it is just, there's more cities with really, really compelling restaurants. It took 20 years for certain ideas to go from Ibuli to New York, then to Charleston, and then to, you know, Asheville, but now it happens literally in real time. So I think that's a big part of the change is just how much better every restaurant in every city has become. I also think that alongside that, restaurants just are very special and are so crucial to cities. And I think so it's a very natural evolution. You know, in a neighborhood, a restaurant defines the neighborhood. or opening or closing of a restaurant can absolutely make or break the spirit of the people that live there. And we know they're crucial. So I think it's exciting and I think it really comes down to this growth of enthusiasm alongside the sort of speed that information moves around and that has allowed every restaurant to get that much better.
2: Okay, Ben, but you're saying every restaurant is getting better, the speed of information is faster than ever, knowledge sharing is vastly improved, restaurants make or break in neighborhood, but you're also saying the restaurant industry is broken. How does that tension? exist?
1: Yeah. The problem is that the cost of operating a restaurant, the costs increase faster than restaurants can raise prices. It's as simple as that. We see that playing out. Rent goes up, inflation, cost of labor, cost of goods, all these things are going up. And they're almost sort of definitionally going up faster than restaurants can raise prices. Consumers reject Price increases sort of almost flat out. Of
2: course, it's like $30 for a cocktail. It's crazy, but restaurants are still not making money. How does this happen?
1: That's the problem that, you know, the inputs have gotten really expensive. Now, I do think part of that is that in an industry where the margins are quite so tight, I think that there's sort of a resources mismanagement of sorts. Maybe restaurants are spending money and resources on things that are inefficient. Certainly, I think that the way restaurants think about marketing and, Customer acquisition and retention is a very inefficient and expensive system today. And those are the things we have to focus on and fix. But certainly, the problem is top-line revenue, yes, has increased massively, but costs of goods and expenses have increased just as fast, if not faster. And that's, you know, really, if we don't fix it, a terminal problem.
2: Okay. So enter Blackbird. I have a feeling that you have a solution to this problem that has now been laid out. Can you tell us a little bit about Blackbird?
1: Well. As I said, we think the solution is in how restaurants think about connecting to their customers. And that is absolutely what Blackbird is focusing on. Connectivity, loyalty, interaction between restaurants and customers is where we feel there is tremendous opportunity to shift the paradigm and to evolve the industry. Restaurants really largely, they don't know who their customers are. They can't think about how to Get more of them. They can't think about how to maximize revenue from their best customers, which is certainly what should be happening. I was just at breakfast with the restaurateur who has 60 restaurants, and he said, You know, I don't know who loves me. I couldn't have said it better myself. That is exactly what Blackbird is trying to fix. You should know as a restaurant who loves you because those people are going to spend more money. We want restaurants to thrive. We want restaurants to sort of present good value propositions, but we want them to exist, to last, to grow, to be economically sustainable. So we think it comes down to this connectivity between restaurants and consumers.
0: So Ben, you guys just did another big raise. I think it was 25 million led by A16Z. You had Union Square Ventures and Amex. I think we were both rounds. I'm interested in sort of what your pitch was to them. Secondly, especially with like an Amex, you guys are based on a blockchain concept. And so I would also love to know, you know, one, what that conversation with them was, because I think that TradFi is not always the biggest fans of the blockchain we've seen, but also what your own aha moment was that said, this is actually the right technology to build this app on top of.
1: Yeah. um, I think we pitched them the observation that the industry was broken and an idea that the solution lies in thinking about identity and connectivity in a different way. And, you know, they're very big ideas. You know, the thing about investors is certainly the good ones and the institutional ones is they do gravitate to the biggest, boldest ideas. And blackbird are certainly big and certainly bold. And we'll see how far we get we obviously are excited about our future, but we'll see. So we just pitched them that vision, that there is an opportunity in the size of this industry. And it can't possibly be the case that this restaurant industry is so beloved and so broken. And I think more than anything else, that was the pitch. You know, you're right about companies like Amex in some ways being resistant to bleeding edge ideas and technology. But at the same time, I'm very proud of the relationship that I've built with Amex over about a 10-year period now. And what Amex does understand is, A, that the time marches on and progress happens and, there will be new technologies that are gonna work and gonna be important. And I think in many ways, Amex partnering with companies like Blackbird ensures that they're a part of that conversation. And so we have had many fruitful and exciting conversations with Amex about Blackbird. In fact, Amex passed on Blackbird at the seed, but did say yes to Series A because of the progress we had made, and the feedback that they gave us when we pitched them originally. I think we took to heart and went and did some building and came back and said, well, what do you think? And I guess that we got far enough, but there is no question the blockchain is part of the future of the tech stack in restaurants, and lots of other industries. And so it's not if, I think it's how and, and why and when, and I think Blackboard presents a pretty compelling how, and you know, in that way, everyone is very excited and sees the promise. As far as how we think about the sort of when you know i think it's going to take time it's not consumer grade certainly from a product standpoint i think the technology certainly in some ways is there but it's not fully mature as a piece of technology yet hopefully we can help sort of coax it along but it's really promising and really exciting can you just tell us also your
0: personal did you just like by a CryptoPunk when you were, you know, in the <laughs> pandemic? Like, what got you
1: into it? So really the fundamental observation is around what I would say was successful about sort of early crypto is in it's power to build communities. And that is very much how restaurants operate, right? They're communities. And I think that that parallel was striking to me. And in many ways, the sort of starting point to figure out how do we tie these things together? But the enthusiasm around a CryptoPunks community or a VFriends community or lots of other smaller obscure projects that I haven't heard of, but have 500 to 5,000 really, really enthusiastic community members, the power is in how they bring those communities together and how they're galvanized and how they interact. And that's where, you know, restaurants could take some lessons.
2: So if I'm hearing you correctly, you were inspired by the fandom that you saw in some of these NFT communities. And you saw a parallel there between that and like restaurant fandom of, you know, people who are obsessed with their favorite neighborhood spot, a restaurant that becomes popular in their community who goes there, but maybe the restaurants don't have that deep relationship. Is that a fair assessment?
1: I think you're right. There is fandom in restaurants. And actually... The difference between fandom and community, I think, is sort of the difference between restaurants and crypto projects in many ways. There's much more, to me, community is not really community, it's connectivity and it's dialogue and it's sort of a two-way line of communication. And I think actually that's exactly the point that restaurants should be thinking more about that kind of connectivity and less about sort of fandom, which feels one way to me.
0: So Ben, can you get into the specifics a little bit in terms of how does Blackbird work at the restaurant and the consumer level and how each benefits
1: from the experience? Blackbird is a technology platform. We use NFC chips that allow guests to check in when they visit a restaurant. That triggers a digital handshake that connects that guest to a restaurant. And based on who they are and the memberships they have in their Blackbird wallet, different things might happen at the restaurant but certainly the restaurant in real time gets to know who that person is. And that's the sort of atomic gesture of Blackbird. And we will build around that over time and that will evolve and become much more robust than it is today, but that's really the fundamental thing is that consumers carry their identity around with them in the Blackbird app and restaurants get to know what that is the second anyone shows up.
2: Can consumers participate in this already? Is Blackbird live or how can people get involved?
1: Blackbird is live, we're piloting in New York. If you download the app, there is a tab that says, Where to Blackbird? That will show you exactly where you can use the platform. We're expanding quickly in New York. We will be in other markets soon, LA we think is next. And then after that, all over the world. Well, last night I went down a
0: pretty deep rabbit hole on the app and I'm so susceptible to these things. But I go on, I go Where to Blackbird, I find these restaurants, when you go to one, so Avery, you actually like mint your relationship, which I thought was really fun, right? So I was like, oh, here's a restaurant I've never been to. I minted the relationship. And of course, the first thing in my head was like, now I got to go visit, check in. And I thought that there was something that was really lovely about that relationship. Because I also assume, if I think of it from a data perspective, is now I'm showing intent to go to the restaurants and now they already know I'm interested, even though before I've even been there, right? And that's a, even a relationship building opportunity. But what I really liked is the idea that you talk about the fly token, you talk about minting your relationships. So you're not like not talking about NFTs, if you will, or fungible tokens, but you've kind of abstracted the experience away a little bit to make it quite simple. You don't have to remember a seed phrase or anything like that. I guess what's your like general thought? You've built a lot of these businesses on how simplicity is essential to building these relationships because there's a lot of folks on the crypto side that we deal with that are like, no, everyone must understand there's a 24-word phrase you have to memorize you know, and hide it everywhere around your house and all this stuff. So what was your thinking around how to keep enough crypto but also make it simple?
1: Consumer tech is consumer tech. The rules haven't changed. It has to be simple, it has to be magical, it has to be low to zero friction, and we have to deliver tons of value in as few taps as possible. Crypto doesn't shift behavior, taste, desire on the consumers in any way at all. And I think that's the thing that we have to understand. It's consumer tech in the end. Frankly, I think the crypto community has done itself a little bit of a disservice from being so steadfast on some of this stuff, but I also think it's changing and everyone sort of is excited about what's ahead and agrees in some way that seed phrases and all this nonsense is probably not our best foot forward.
2: But I'm curious, because I know you guys have partnered with front of house, some of the early sort of restaurant brands, did you see anybody else sort of building in this space that was sort of crypto first, crypto adjacent during that 2021 rush that sparked your interest?
1: I found it striking what Gary Vaynerchuk did with Flyfish Club. Opening soon. Yeah, So I hear, um, you know, that's a lot of money to raise for an NFT project with the promise of it becoming a physical club. Gary obviously was my co-founder on Resi and is an investor in Blackbird and a dear friend. But those things aside, I think it was an incredible sort of show of force, if you will, of the potential of linking restaurants to the blockchain. The other examples for me are ones where it's just community, an incredible collection of enthusiastic individuals rallying around an idea. Ben,
0: you sort of insulted me yesterday because I was reading one of the pieces of writing, and you mentioned the fact that Balthazar is a diner and <laughs> <laughs> which is obviously where I, I used to have my office around the corner and that's my, you know, every morning breakfast. But the more I read, I kind of understood what you were saying about this idea that certain restaurants are diners and certain restaurants are clubs, and it's really about access, I think there's a lot of analogies actually to just general community fandom, whether it's music artists, gamers, or crypto. Could you tell us just a little bit about your theory of restaurants and the difference between diners and clubs? And then also, I was wondering if you thought that applied to other business
1: verticals. Yes. So, Sam, my theory of restaurants being diners or clubs is really very simple. And it comes down to whether the restaurant is in the business of saying yes or is in the business of saying no. And obviously, clubs are in the business of saying no, and that's how they build their brand. And diners are in the business of saying yes. And that's how they build their brand and business. And I think it's an important way for restaurants to think about finding product market fit and figuring out what the business model is going to be and what the pricing strategy is going to be. Because obviously in a club, you need to have more high value customers sort of per square foot per seat. And in a diner, you're playing a little bit more of a volume game and you probably want to think about pricing on that basis. Diners and clubs both are amazing. Most of the restaurants that I visit are diners, but there's some clubs. And, you know, I think it's as simple as that. I think as we were sort of getting our sea legs around the Blackbird strategy, I think it was a sort of an idea that kind of presented itself sort of revealed itself as we were thinking about the implementation across a wide variety of restaurants. Because to really kind of actually make it much simpler than it is, you know, it's sort of, is it memberships or punch cards? That's the sort of tie to Blackbird in a way. But yeah, they're all diners or clubs. And do you feel that Blackbird, the intention is to serve both? Absolutely.
2: And if you look into your crystal ball, Ben, what does success look like for Blackbird in a year, in three years, in 10 years?
1: Well, in a year, hopefully you've seen us make a ton of progress in terms of building the roster of restaurants that we're working with and building the network for consumers. We're in more markets. We're continuing to build tech, great product, thrilling consumers. In three years and 10 years, hopefully we've made meaningful strides to make the industry better, to make restaurants more profitable, more financially independent, and feel more in control of their own destiny. Because that's really what the idea here is, is to empower restaurants to know their customers and therefore control their own destiny.
0: It feels like a lot of the current food-based apps, right? The DoorDashes, all of those really are about adding this quite significant fee and doing the marketing for restaurants themselves. It does feel like Blackbird is a little bit about restaurants being able to take over those relationships again and have a more direct connection. A hundred percent. And do you see a future... I'm thinking about, Avery, the conversation we had with Matt Sanders. Matt Sanders is the lead singer of Avenged Sevenfold. And they have a sort of token for their community. And we talked about the idea that they could also do things where if you were an Avenged Sevenfold fan, you could then potentially get a VIP to another band that they love, right? Like, do you think there's also a cross-pollination within the restaurant world that Blackbird enables?
1: I very much hope that's where we go with this. And that's why when we talk about that sort of digital handshake, and what the promise there sort of presents, that's why we're so excited about it because it is about concentric circles of community and a restaurant finding its pockets of passionate people wherever they may be in the world and connecting to them. Amazing. What a mission. Yeah.
2: What a big problem and what a big solution in Blackbird. Ben, thank you for taking the time to share a little bit with us in the Gen C community today. It was fantastic to have you on the show.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you, guys. Avery, what did you
0: think of what Ben's building?
2: So I actually don't know Ben, though Gary knows him very well. And he's been a longtime Vayner partner across a bunch of different things. So it was really interesting to hear his vision of where Blackboard can help restaurants. Because to know a problem deeply is so critical for an entrepreneur to be able to actually solve that problem. And I would argue Ben is one of the most credible people to understand the opportunity for restaurants and also the challenges that they're going into through his work at Eater and through Resi and now through Blackbird. So to echo a point that he said, I think it's a big meaty problem, but there's so clearly an opportunity for restaurants to better build businesses, which ultimately is going to be critical so that they don't have to shut down our favorite neighborhood spots. What did you think, Sam?
0: I agree. I think you and I have been in some groups where we've discussed Blackbird. And I think that it seems like the common thinking is like, if Ben can't do it, nobody can. Right? He's so connected in the industry. He's built so many businesses that have supported the industry that he is the right person to be doing this. His investors, the fact that Amex came in on the Series A is, I think, a really big bullish sign for this as an opportunity, You know, whether it's been Mark Mathieu or Nike or whomever, you know, we had Adam Brotman from the Starbucks team on here. Like loyalty is one of the really interesting pieces here because all of that stuff could be done in Web2. Yes. Right. None of them have to do it on chain, yet a lot of them are building. And I think they see the idea that decentralization and sort of owning your own asset is an important piece. Blackbird has what they call a fly token. Right. So you are earning their own fungible token every time you go. And so I think there is a future where your best customers And their favorite restaurants are sort of mutually rewarded.
2: Contrarian take. Why can't you just have fly points?
0: That's where I think Amex being an investor is really interesting. No one knows points better than Amex. Exactly. Right.
2: Unless it's Chase Ultimate Rewards. Wink.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think the question is going to be how we reimagine points when points aren't completely gameable by the system, right? I think about all the recent chatter on what Delta is doing to redo their point structure, which I'm not happy about because I'm a Delta status flyer, but they only are making it harder, right? So I feel like I have given so much loyalty over so many years to Delta, which they've been the airline I've flown for the last decade. And yet here they are saying, oh, no, you have to spend more money and travel more places if you want access to the Delta Lounge. I guess I wonder if some of this is, well, what if every one of those miles had been minted as a token that I could spend with Delta or someone else, you know, does United come in and say, hey, you know what, we're cool. We'll do a swap with you and give you status at a lower
2: level. So I think Status Master exists in Web 2 and those incentive models exist. And I think the tension is how does that benefit, you know, the shareholders of those airline companies if you're able to move those so easily? And couldn't agree more that loyalty is such a big opportunity because, That's so core to business. And it's something that people generally agree has a lot of area to deepen. To Ben's points that he just raised in the show, loyalty and building a deeper relationship with your existing customers, building a community around those people is such a huge opportunity. And I would argue that even Delta or United, like they kind of do have a community at Vayner, we do work with an airline on the West Coast. And they have this like super avid fan base. It's actually amazing. These people who like go out of their way to be like, I'm a huge Alaska airline flyer and they literally do their own convention. It's amazing. But fostering that community and developing aligned incentives, that hasn't been cracked quite yet. And I love that Ben is going after this, specifically in restaurants, specifically an area that he and his team know really, really well, and an area where everybody loves restaurants. You know, we kicked off the interview with saying that, like. I love restaurants. You love restaurants. You're going on a vacation and like you're going to visit restaurants. It's so core to culture. So it's a big problem. And I'm excited to see how Web3 is an unlock to helping galvanize those communities, helping restaurants sort of better align incentives with their customers in a way that just typical punch card isn't modern enough to do that.
0: Two closing thoughts I think on that. One is Alaska is a great example, a community powerful. Structure. People love Alaska and they really want to fly Alaska everywhere they can. And so, if you could then do a scrape and say, who are the first thousand people who flew multiple times in a single year? And they may have that data somehow, but like that is kind of an on chain opportunity that exists. The fact that I minted a relationship with Ernesto's here in New York last night, even though I've never been, you know, they might say, oh, a year from now, say I'm minted here, it took them a month to come but now he's been six times. So he fits this tier. And so therefore, we want to make sure that we invite him to the special event we have. And again, that can be done in web too. The thing that gets exciting for me, which is sort of the thing that I like about still the idea of threads, is what happens when someone else builds an app that you can just plug in your Blackbird login and suddenly knowing your behaviors, okay, you're a restaurant person, but now you're also get access to the beach club. Now you get also get access to luxury car rental opportunity because you have fly points. What you can see in that data, I think, allows others to build their own decentralized versions of incorporation.
2: Interoperable without like partnerships teams, you need to broker those connections is like the opportunity for that and saying, okay, amazing, I just opened this new restaurant and I want a bunch of these restaurant junkies to come. Thus, I'm going to give everyone who has X amount of fly tokens, a free drink or a free cocktail or access to book a table early that I think gets really interesting. And if we think in terms of like chapters and time windows, I think that's in that three-year chapter, like that's the future that, you know, I think we're all building too. So awesome interview. Ben's fascinating. And I can't wait to check out Blackbird. And Gen Z, if you live in New York, please go check out Blackbird, download the app, get your fly points, mint your relationship with some of these awesome new restaurants.
0: All right, y'all, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for coming. If you're in New York for ad week, we are around. No, I am around. Avery is not. (laughs) But uh, come say hi. We'll be at a bunch of events. See you next week.
2: See you next week, Gen Z.